this episode of the show, we speak to Ryan Barnard, the founder of the ARC Drug Rehab Center in South Africa, and also the founder of the Dual Diagnosis Podcast. Ryan Barnard, uh, welcome to the show. We're really, really glad to have you on board. Cool. Hi, Oliver. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Cool. Um, no, I mean, the pleasure is all ours. This one is a slightly different one because, uh, I mean, like normally we speak to healthcare practitioners and on the Molling Live show, you know, I try to get some inspirational people that I find, you know, in, uh, inspirational and just someone with a slightly different story and, and definitely making a difference. And from the first time I met you, you were definitely one of those people. Um, yeah, and, and I still remember the, the, the moment because I came in with, you know, a new salesperson and uh, uh, Chris, and that was a fo- his first meeting, you know, and we came to your, uh, you know, to ARC Drug Rehab Center um, on the East Rand. Um, but yeah, can you remember that time? I do. I remember that. Yeah, we did a presentation. You did the presentation and I remember that. Yeah. And, and I remember, Ryan, I mean, like the first time I, I met you, I was just thinking, wow, you know, I don't know how Ryan got in, you know, like how, how did he get into the whole drug rehab center? So I thought that was a story. I don't think I ever asked you, you know, in too many words, but can you take, yeah. take us through that? Because that's not something that, you know, you just kind of stumble on and I'm an entrepreneur. Let me just start up a drug rehab center. How did that yeah. story actually evolve? So that's, uh, I'm an addict myself. I'm an alcoholic. And, um, and I, I went to treatment uh, when I was quite young. I was about 23 when I, when I went to treatment the last time. I mean, I'd been to, my parents sent me off to these crazy militant sort of style places before when I was an adolescent. But, um, you know, when I got to about 23, it, I was working and, um, you know, my parents didn't really have too much to say about my life. And uh, I'd sort of dug a deep hole for myself in that um, I couldn't stop drinking. It was just like I was drinking every day, like a bottle of brandy or whatever it was every day. And, um, and you know, I... <clears throat> Uh, I, I used drugs every time I drank and I drank every day. So it was, <laughs> it was, so um, it, it became, it, became, it turned into quite a scary sort of situation for me because, uh, you know, I'd make the commitment to stop and I'd make that commitment based on very hectic consequences. Like I ended up in hospital with a brain injury and my brain had moved and, um, you know, I'd swear blind, I'm not going to do this again. And then on the Monday I'd get out and then 12 o'clock that day I'd be drinking again. And, um, this went on for like months and months and I'd put things in place to kind of like, you know, stop myself. Like I'd make sure I had a cheap phone because if I had an expensive phone, I could, you know, swap it for more drugs and, um, things like that. It was, it was just hectic. So there was just like total loss of control and, and, um, and all these consequences went to treatment and um, got involved in, in sort of in AA fellowships and uh, narcotics anonymous fellowships and sort of started. Um, and I, you know, I, I met a couple of people that, that were also passionate about sort of about their recovery. Right. Um, <clears throat> it was one guy in particular that I met Brian who um, I'd, I'd met him once before five years prior and he was he was quite a scary drug addict. He was using drugs that I that I had no concept of. Like he was using crack and heroin, and I was like seventeen when I met him for the first time. Wow. And and uh, he, he he introduced me to this stuff on one occasion. Uh, on on and uh, 
five years later, when I met him at a at an NA meeting, he um, he told me the story that 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 not that the plan was to get me as wasted as possible so they could rob me. Um, anyway, so I met him at this NA meeting, and I was like, "Geez, this guy should really be dead." Um, and he looked he looked well. I mean, he was like. You know, and he was, he's working his recovery, he's doing all the right things and going to gym and study. He, he actually, he never got his matric. He was doing his matric and I was so impressed. And uh, him and I became very, very good friends. And um, what ended up happening was, so I've always been entrepreneurial. So my dad put me out the door when I was like 19 and he was like, off you go. <laughs> he kicked mm-hmm. me out, gave me my mattress and said, like, you, you don't come back. Um, I was a hooligan and, and um, I've always been entrepreneurial and I, and I, you know, it's, it's, um, something that, um, I've just never been able to, to, I'm, I'm very independent. Right. And, um, anyway, so cut a long story short. So I'd, I'd you know, gone through the process of building up my business and I was in the construction game mm-hmm. and, um, I started investing in properties and, and this guy approached me, uh, he was like 80 years old and he said, listen, uh, I need to rent a flat from you. They've just repossessed my property. Um, uh, you know, and I've got all this furniture that I want to sell. Can you come and take a look at it? So I went and took a look at it and I asked him about the property. And he said, no, the bank took it back. And I phoned the bank and I managed to get the, the property for half of what he had owed them, um, which was, um, it was a good deal. And it was ideally located. And um, I didn't exactly know what I was going to do with it, but I know that, uh, but it sort of evolved into the idea of like, okay, cool. Well, what can I do with this place? <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, you know, you can do a drug rehab because I'm, I'm sort of in recovery. And Brian came along and we founded this rehab and, um, it was very much based on like 12 steps sort of, uh, stuff. So there weren't very many healthcare professionals involved, uh, on a, you know, it was initially, it was kind of like. So, some, you know, in a lot of ways, I was doing some of the counseling and Brian was doing some of the counseling. So we had no idea what the hell we were doing in the, <laughs> like in the very, very early days. Um, we did have some healthcare professionals, you know, who were guiding us and helping us and do, seeing patients and that, but um, <clears throat> yeah. And then, and then uh, what happened was a couple of years later, Brian passed away. Um, he, he was 11 years clean and, and he died his, you know, they found him in his bathroom with a needle in his arm. He'd relapsed after 11 years and no one, no one knew that he relapsed. It was just sort of out of the blue. Um, the guy just, you know, passed away. So, uh, that was quite hectic. Um, but it was also, it was also, it was also, um, Sort of in a lot of ways freeing for me because Brian had this very fundamentalist idea of what rehab should be and what and you know it was came from this AA doctrine and um, I was always you know of the opinion that we needed to get more healthcare professionals involved and kind of like do a dual diagnosis kind of thing because that's my history I've I've got a dual diagnosis right so I was diagnosed with ADHD and as an adult and I mean the you know my history at school and just throughout my entire life it made perfect sense that ADHD was like the correct diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, so, so that's, that's what, that's the story of how I sort of started moving in the, into the direction of dual diagnosis um, and getting a lot more healthcare professionals directly involved um, and running the place sort of like purely from that perspective. Mm. I'll, I'll, so, I mean, like, I think the first thing I do want to say is, I mean, thanks for sharing that. I mean, like, I think that's an incredible story. Um, in terms of, you know, how you got started and, and kind of the history around it. 
And I can't help but sense, I mean, like, you know, that's, you know, that's pretty powerful. I mean, I, you know, people always say, you know, like, what is your, your, you know, the, the stimulus for change or the stimuli for change? And it's like, you know, in stories like that, you know, you have to make a difference. So I really love that. Um, and yeah, sorry to hear about Brian as well. I mean, I, I think that's always the difficult part that, you know, people don't speak about, you know, especially with people struggling with alcohol and, you know, drug abuse is that there's always that relapse part. And that's why you have to be so careful and, you know, to make sure that you're always strong, you know, most of the time and you have a cool, you know, support structure around you that almost yeah. can pick up these things. Um, the thing I is, on that, sorry, sorry, go there, on, on that note, like, and I don't, sorry, I don't want to go into into discussing the whole COVID thing, like just, you know, when you're ready with that one, but but circumstances come up, you know what I mean? Like um, getting getting married and having children, okay, is is it's a hardcore thing. And if you're trying to build, you know, like from, for, for me, you know, I've got married, had kids trying to build two businesses at the same time. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, things can get overwhelming. And I think, I think that's also what happened with Brian as well. Like there was, there were circumstances, there was circumstantial stuff that, that really sort of, you know, the guy was solid. He was always solid. He was always like, he knew the program all that kind of thing. But, um, relapse doesn't necessarily mean that you're letting go of your support or anything like that. You know, it, it, it's, it can just be that things are just so incredibly overwhelming that it's just, you know, I've always thought, you know, I've always thought of suicide before I thought of picking up drugs and alcohol. Right. Um, and that says a lot about how, how much I want to avoid picking up drugs and alcohol. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, you know, um, so yeah. And it's such a huge, I mean, again, I mean, we had someone on and we were speaking about the same thing, you know, like, like suicide and how, how hectic mm. the last two years. I mean, you, I mean, I would love to go into those stories, you know, and in terms of your own experience of, of, um, you know, COVID. And I know you said that now, but I was going to go into like, you know, the, the business effect that it had on you, you know, like the, the, because we spoke like a few times, you know, over the years and, you know, and and I remember in, in some of those conversations, you said, you know, actually, I have to, I have to let my, my restaurant go at the moment, you know, I have to let my construction company go at the moment. And those are real things. And I think what you're saying is so profound, because, you know, my brother got married recently, actually last month, and I've yeah. been, he, he got married quite late in life. But I was trying to give him because he would always ask me like, so, you know, like, um, you know, what's your thoughts on this? Or, you know, how, how would this I was trying to distill some of that stuff, you know, and make it kind of profound and, you know, like all of this wisdom. But as you said now, I mean, life kind of happens, eh? I mean, I, and what I told him as well, nothing could have prepared us for when we had children. It was like the most life-altering yeah, moment. <laughs> Even now, every morning I wake up at, you know, quarter past five and, and 20 years ago, you would have never caught me alive, you know, waking yeah. up at quarter past five. Maybe working till quarter past five, but definitely not waking up. And, uh, and now it's like one of those things because if you don't, then you don't get the kids ready for school. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I agree with you here. Look, yeah, life is life – is- is intrinsically, I mean, I suppose we don't have to tell anyone this. It's intrinsically, it's intrinsically tragic at the best of times, right? Mm. <clears throat> so, so yeah, you know, and like a lot of people, like, oh, well, it's, it's it's what you, it's how it's what you do to transcend that. And I'm like, yeah, that's easier said than done. Hey, like, like sometimes it's just it's like just overwhelming. Hey, um, mm. yeah. 
You know what? Uh, and and I think we probably struggle with this, uh, you know, in some way. Uh, I'm saying the two of us because I'm, you know, in many ways, I'm I'm not I'm not happy with the status quo. So you're always pushing, you know, like how can we be better? And I think that's where the business angle kind of comes in. Is like, you know, yes, some I know. Sometimes I wish I could just be this person that's happy in a job. And you know, happy with the paycheck and happy like just doing my eight to five, you know, come home, have the weekends free. But yeah. like I'm just not wired that way. And it's always like well, pushing to be better. Well, that's I mean, listen, I I um I one hundred percent agree with that. And I think people like you and me, like entrepreneurial people, like you know, that's that's where we find our our meaning, you know, mm. and uh, that's what gives us meaning is is um is pursuing these these objectives or, or, or whatever you know um I, I met somebody who said that i've got shiny penny syndrome so i run around sort of like spotting opportunities and then i'll i'll take those opportunities on and run with them and um you know it was a good point because i do do that 100 i mean like you mentioned i started that restaurant five months before covid came along and it was a it was a raging success i mean i nailed it i, I really <laughs> nailed it um and and it was actually the first time in my life where I actually felt like, cool, I can actually call myself an entrepreneur because like like I've done it. I've, I've combined resources to create, you know, this um, uh, the service or and and these products that I can you know bring to the market for 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 a profit and 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 I, I nailed it. Like they were queuing out the door, mm. and um, COVID came along and sort of just wiped that all out in an instant, in a flash, and uh, I lost. I lost so much eh, um, uh, over that, but um, but yeah, uh, you know, there's there there are people that sort of run businesses, okay, and I wouldn't call them like like you know I don't want to sound like a like a fundamentalist or whatever, but I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't call them like real entrepreneurs because mm-hmm. they, you know, they said they'll settle into this business and they'll just run it, you know, like work in their business like an employee. Do you know what I mean? And run it mm-hmm. until the day they retire, sell it and, and sort of like bugger off to the coast or whatever. But, um, you know, I think, I think entrepreneurs sort of are constantly on the, on the lookout for new opportunities and new ideas and new things of, you know, bringing stuff to the market. And um, it's a creative pursuit, eh, Oliver. And, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think in a lot of ways, that's why you and I are also doing this podcast thing is because, you know, like it's a creative pursuit as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How we wired, I say, yeah. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, it's actually so scary. I mean, it gives me goosebumps again because I was trying to explain to my daughter because, you know, she's in um, grade eight. So, you know, she's like, um, and we were talking about like, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? Because when she was like four, she would say, you know, I want to be a rock star and a dentist and a professional swimmer. And we would say, no, but you can't be all three. And she would say, no, no, but I, you know, I can. And now obviously, you know, teenager, she's changed her mind, but uh, she was talking about like, but what are you? And I'm like, you know, I'm more an entrepreneur, you know, I've got businesses. And she was like, is that like a business owner? And I was trying to exactly what you just said. Now, that's what I said. It was like, I think anyone can buy a business and then a business owner, but to be an entrepreneur, I think you have to create something out of nothing, you know, like like, this. And you say, okay, cool. Is that like, would I pay for it? And then do something like that. And for me, that's, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. It's the way we perceive risk. It's like, it's, it's, you know, it's it's not the same as the way other people perceive it. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I love what you said about shiny uh, penny syndrome because that, yeah. that's actually what my wife used to tell me, <laughs> and yeah. and she was completely right because that was exactly what it was. It was like you know I would get so excited about the idea, 
And then I would do this thing, you know, nonstop for like, you know, two or three weeks or like even maybe months, go get the domain and do all of that nonsense. And then, you know, nothing happens, you know, there's no revenue from it. It's just like, and then I would move to the next one. And until I could figure out that it's actually not about the idea. And this is, I mean, in so many business books, they tell you the same thing now, but it's not about the idea. Anyone can come up with an idea, but it's about the implementation. It's about the tenacity of sticking with it until you know you've got it actually honed down and then moving on to something else. You're almost yeah. like not allowed to leave it until it's either failed or succeeded, you know, and, yeah. then, um, and then that changed it for me. I've, so I want to come back to that, but I, but I think on that note, um, you know, if, if finding, finding the idea and sticking to it, um, no matter what, it's like, it's not, it's, it's not in me to, abandon something that I've, it's like, because it's, it's, you know, starting a business is like having a child for me. I mean, the, the scale of the responsibility is, is, you know, especially when you've got employees and, and um, you've got, you know, suppliers relying on you to pay them and, and, and things like that, you know, it's, it's, um it's, it's do or die, you know, and, and that's the way I've always seen any business that I've started is like, I, I literally, I literally see it as though like I'll die if I don't succeed, you mm-hmm. know? So, so it's like no matter what, but yeah. So I met this guy and he's a, he's really a, an excellent, an amazing businessman, a really intelligent guy. He, um, and he was sort of mentoring me for a bit. And, and uh, you mentioned the, the shiny penny syndrome thing. And, and um, the, the, the most important lesson that I took from what he told me and from what happened with the loss of these other businesses was um, that I, that I've got to be very I've got to, I've got to be care, more careful about the opportunities that I pursue because I'm getting older. Okay, times times like the clock's ticking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm just about 14 now, right? And I know, like, if, you know, I want to. The next 10 years are important. Like, like whatever I do in those next 10 years, like that's that's going to be important, right? Um, you know, and I've. So I don't feel as though I'm as fit and healthy as I used to be. So so yeah, I've got to be careful, right? Um, but. But what happened was these 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 other business. I had to walk away from the restaurant because there was just no there was just no coming back from what happened. I managed to um, like MacGyver, uh, you know, a lease with another restaurant chain that took over the place, and I managed to sort of do all of that and and look after it in that way. Um, and I, but I went and I diversified on this construction business so wildly that um, I deviated from the the original business objective and. Um, I screwed it up. I screwed it up. Mm. Like I focused so much on operations and inventing a new way to manufacture this product mm. that I, fo- I, you know, I didn't pay. I didn't pay too much attention to sales. Mm. Um, and sales is the lifeblood of of any business. And eventually, it just you know turned into this um, situation where it was like, okay, cool. Am I going to continue pursuing this, or do I, or do I just end it and sort of? you know, consolidate my attentions and, 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 and focus on something, you know, cause again, like I said, there's 10, you know, I've got 10 years that I want to do something important. So I decided to do that and it was devastating. It was devastating to let go of that business. I, I, um, it, it was like, I, I, I ended up on my bed. Um, I'd wake up, come down for breakfast, go back upstairs, park in the bed for the rest of the day. And like, I was like, it was like, I'd lost a part of myself and, um, and like as though I had like died, um, yeah. and uh, 
I became so incredibly depressed and um, that's, it got really bad, like nihilistic and geez, like I really, and, and, and that's why I started this whole podcasting here, Oliver, is because mm-hmm. I wanted to, again, wanted to pursue something that was going to give me a bit of meaning and all that. And it's so cool because I'm, I'm, you know, having conversations like this and I'm, mm-hmm. uh, I would never, ever, ever have put myself on a video in a million years. <laughs> like, there's no ways. Yeah. Um, but I thought, cool, well, let me, let me, let me do it. Let me just do it. And you mm. know, if anyone has anything to say about it, they can say it. And I, you know, I'm trying. So yeah, yeah. No, I love that. And I mean, I, I think what you just said, the last one is I'm trying. I mean, I think for me, that yeah. was the thing as well. Is And, and you know, there's something sometimes about the, the thing with that as well, Ryan, is like we're trying, but you're trying in isolation almost. And uh, the one that changed it for me with podcasts was Pat Flynn. I mean, like yeah. from the smart passive income, you know, like he absolutely, like even now, I haven't watched, listened to an episode for a while, but you know, normal guy, he just took it and he just like, you know, started talking about his story and it was like very, very successful. And I just yeah. thought, okay, cool. You know, like, yeah, sure. Let's drop everything and let's see, you know, this would be the, you know, as you would meet me and as I would meet you, you know, like at, at ARC um, mm. and we talk about it, like and say, this is what we did. And yes, maybe it's yeah. not the best one, but, and you, you get to choose, you know, like maybe someone else's story is better. That's cool. Um, yeah. Maybe you don't resonate with us because not everyone is going to like, you know, know, like, and trust you. And that's, sure. that's the reality. Yeah. But you just need a few people that actually resonate with the story. And as long as, you know, yeah. you believe that you're doing something good, um, which I definitely think, I mean, like, you know, we can come back to ARC. Um, I love your story. I love the fact that, I mean, you provide employment for healthcare practitioners. You know, that's a completely different spin to how we normally work with healthcare practitioners. Um, yeah. And I remember, you know, when it changed, when I was sitting in your boardroom and the first thing I was thinking, because it was, you know, normally it's when the, someone... No, 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 the, the, um, it's not employment, hey? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Healthcare practitioners work yeah. at your center. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> in terms of like a space for healthcare practitioners, you know, That's to work it. from. Yeah, 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 definitely. That's the ARC model. Um, but yeah, so, so when I was, when I was at, in your boardroom in, you know, in that December, I think it was, and yeah. um, it was the fanciest boardroom that we, because normally when we go to meet, you know, practitioners it's normally like their their therapy room which is you know like that's it yeah um but it was like a fancy boardroom with a projector and i remember sitting there and we're doing a demo of the software and um we were busy telling you about like we you know we can do the website design and and you were telling us then or you were telling me about the website that you designed and it was the first time i thought wow okay cool (laughs) you know we're not obviously dealing with someone that just you know kind of stumbled onto these things and i think that's the way you approach things is that right? Even with the podcast, I mean, if you look at, I want to go into what it is now and how, you know, where you see yourself in the market, but okay. I think the way you got the equipment, you know, like your setup, it looks pretty snazzy. Thanks. Cool. <laughs> so thanks. Uh, but yeah, so um, I think, again, as, a, as entrepreneurs, it's, a, it's our job to combine resources to, you know, provide a service to bring to the market for a profit, right? Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's always just the, it's, 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 it sort of comes, I mean, once you've been doing something for 20 years, you know what I mean? It like comes sort of intuitively, I think, and, and creating, creating an opportunity and, and spotting opportunities and seeing them, um, it, it doesn't come naturally to everybody. And, and I'm not, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm 
tooting my own horn type of thing here, but like, but like, I think I have my place in the world, like as an entrepreneur, do you know what I mean? And it's taken me a very long time to actually say those words and be like, okay, cool. Well, this is what I am. And I'm, and I, and I kind of like do an okay job at it. Do you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's cool. So, um, so, so yeah, creating, creating those opportunities, not everyone could do them. And, and I can't, I can't do what a psychologist does. Hey, I mean, like I'd make a terrible nurse, like 100%. I'm <laughs> so um yeah so but but being an entrepreneur again we need to know more about their industry or their uh scope or whatever you want to call it than they than they know about ours right mm-hmm. um that's always important like you know the hpcsa ethical guidelines like you know, i can recite a lot of the stuff mm-hmm. in my sleep do you know what i mean and mm-hmm. and i'll sort of um correct psychologists on on certain things and all the rest of it because i've had to go and investigate all of those things uh, you know psychologists and that's the thing with with with, the, with mental health care professionals in general i mean you know you, you can go and do the psychology uh, you know get your your masters and all the rest of it and get registered but they don't really take you through an entrepreneurship process or a process of how to start your private practice you know what i mean um i don't think it's too in depth if at all right um and and that's one of the things that i've just really noticed about a lot of healthcare professionals is is they um they're very vulnerable when it comes to um you know things like like knowing how to start a, a practice and get it going and um you know audits from the medical aid as for an example as well you know they 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 aren't they 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 they're analytical but they aren't sort of like they don't have that really like that very skeptical sort of like thing that i have which is which comes from being an entrepreneur you know you got to mm. sort of marble mm. everything you know mm. so yeah you know i i can definitely agree to that to i mean to everything because um, and two things I want to say is, I mean, again, I mean, like my wife say, you know, Clint Psych, and uh, she works, you know, like quite a few sessions every single day. And I always tell her, I could never do that. I mean, almost like you're completely plugged into the session. You have to be in that cool. moment, you know, for eight hours a day or six hours a day. And, and it's actually, I mean, this is not like reality TV. This is like, you know, like live, you know, like, yeah. you know, you're completely plugged into someone's, you know, like stories. Um, and that's difficult to do. The other thing I wanted to say about the entrepreneurship stuff and healthcare practitioners, yes. I almost like would say, and it, again, because, you know, we're talking in the Molding Lives show now, is to say it's almost like they don't really want to play, you know, as a complete entrepreneur. I mean, they do want to yes. have their own practice and they do want to make that successful. And there's a little bit of business skills. But to be at a level of ARC, um, there's very few healthcare practitioners actually that transcend to that level, you know, where they, they actually want to make, you know, like passive income and they want to do this. And so it's almost like they, they wired differently, you know, to yeah. how you would almost think, you know, an entrepreneur is. Um, mm. So there's some type of like almost middle ground between, you know, like salary and employee and yeah. entrepreneur and, you know, somewhere there. Um, yeah. is well, where I, I, see I, see my job, I see my job as, as sort of making, making it, uh, as easy as possible for them to do exactly what they're good at. Okay. Mm. And the rest of the stuff I'll, I'll take care of in the background for them. You know what I mean? So they mm. get to do what they do best. Right. Yeah. Um, and do you watch a lot of Jordan Peterson stuff at all? No, not really. Okay, cool. So the, I just, uh, if I can tell you quickly, this, yeah. so he talks about the, the big five personality uh, um, model or whatever. Right. Um, so as an entrepreneur, obviously the, you know, you've, you'll need to be 
somewhat disagreeable, right? Which means that um, you 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 you're going to be you're going to rather negotiate on your behalf than on you know a supplier's behalf or on a, on somebody else's behalf, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and you know if you think about the personality trait that you need to be a, a good psychologist, you need to be compassionate in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know if you're going to be you can't be disagreeable and compassionate, okay? Mm. So, so you can't. Um, negotiate on your, you know, so it's it's difficult for them to be in in business necessarily, and uh, 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 and be compassionate. Do you know what I mean? So that's, mm-hmm. I think I think it's a cool uh, meeting of the minds in a lot of ways. You know, it's like take care of the business stuff. You guys do what you need to do. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think that's where it's kind of worked is like when you know healthcare practitioners and travel practice decide actually, you know, we do want someone else to work you know, do this for us, even if it's software, like even if they, you know, like, you know, like do have the software in the background and, you know, the software does lots of things for them. Um, that is yeah. that, you know, that almost like common ground or middle ground, you know, where they actually very cool with that. Um, and then the other one is where you outsource it completely and someone else completely handles that. I just worry about, you know, doing my sessions. And, um, and I think those, you know, those, those seem to be the two models we've kind of come across. Uh, and in the last two years, I mean, with COVID, I see a lot more practitioners, um, you know, coming up with courses and stuff like that, which is our next level, which, you know, we've, we've been almost talking about for a while, but I think, you know, now it's becoming a reality. It's mm-hmm. funny how that, you know, that, that world kind of works, you know, that world that you kind of thought about in your head, you know, now yeah. seems to be that reality part. Um, yeah. Coming back to the podcast, I mean, dual diagnosis, Wesley, like a really cool name. I like that. Um, but it, do you have plans? What are your plans for it at the moment? I mean, how often are you planning to come out with content and stuff again? So the rehab industry has always been sort of looked at as the sort of stepchild of the health mental health care industry, right? Um, you know, it's like very almost frowned upon, right, by, by healthcare professionals. and and um, you know, arc, arc. I'm, I've always tried to differentiate arc and sort of have it, uh, you know, positioned as as the authority and sort of trying to, you know, push the envelope and, and do a better, jo- better and better job, right? Um, and um, uh, you know, again, there's just hundreds and, and hundreds of rehabs that are like, um, it's like rubbish, you know, and like they'll they have all these weird ideologies and there's no sort of uh, continuity and it's not sort of it's, you know, it's not good. Um, so, so the whole idea of the podcast was to start showing people that, you know, there are legitimate places that do a proper job from a medical point of view um, when it comes to drug and alcohol rehab. You know, you, you don't have to just send somebody to the Karoo and, you know, where they will pray and, you know, dig holes all day or whatever it is that, you know. Um, so, so yeah, so that's that's the idea behind it is just to sort of get it out there that's that there are legitimate places. And um the podcast, so so I also got sort of like a couple of angles, but it's very new, eh, Oliver. It's like a mm. month old. I, um so the 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 there's a couple of so the one aspect is like yeah, you know, talking to the healthcare professionals and getting their their views on things and and um getting that information out there about sort of like what they do and how they do it and how it, 
sort of ties in with um, dual diagnosis and, and rehab. And then the other aspect is kind of like me being a talking head, kind of like giving my opinion mm-hmm. on stuff and, you know, mm-hmm. being creative, you know, um, which, which is, which is really fun. I get so excited about that. My wife, it irritates her to death because I just like, <laughs> like one o'clock in the morning and she's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Funny. But, um, but I, it's like, it's giving me purpose, man. It's, it's really, I've, I'm, Oh, again, I was in such a dark, dark, dark place because of what happened with COVID, and and um, this has helped me so much, and I'm really enjoying it. So, so mm. yeah, that's that's really the the two angles um, that I'm coming from with regards to the podcast. Mm. I mean, I, I I actually posted a comment about it, but like, um, yeah, I watched the the one last week, and it was amazing. <laughs> and I was telling you, I mean, like, you know, for us, we don't do too much of edits because I know how much of work it yeah. is. You know, and when I asked you, you know, just before we started and, you know, because when I saw the video, I, I can see the edits and, you know, um, do you, do you enjoy that process? Yeah, oh, I love it. I love it. I love finding the music, you know, it's like create the mood around sort of the stuff and, um, you know, finding clips and then timing the clips with the music and. Uh, okay. And, um, I've always, you know, I've, play, I've played guitar since I was like 10 and, um, okay. always been very, very creative. So, uh, well, not, 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 you know, to credit. I actually wanted to study journalism. Um, hmm. so, yeah. I, I, I wanted to do journalism and, and uh, my old man, I was sitting at the dinner table. My old man was like, you will not do journalism. There's no future in, in anything like that for you. You will go study IT engineering. And I was like, no. And he, <laughs> he chased me around the, around the table with a plate. It was funny, but, yeah. um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, journalism, um, or being creative, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, you, you know, you 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 get into the working world and kind of like that takes over and you kind of like lose all of those you know dreams of like you mentioned your daughter wanted to be a rock star like you mm-hmm. know she had all these ideas. Um, I wanted to be a rock star, you know, and, and if I think about it from a from a from a business point of view, I could have made it work. Eh? I mean, I've put the mm-hmm. time in to it properly, and you mm-hmm. you know you could have I could have made it work, but you lose touch with your dreams and that kind of thing when you get sucked into this, you know, this like having to pay the bond and having to do this mm. and do that. Right. Mm. Um, so I'm very fortunate in that I'm in a position where I can do this. And, and I think that's, that's cool. I'm, I'm very lucky and I need to keep recognizing that. Eh? Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I mean, like, and it's interesting, you know, just hearing that story, how those things are kind of coming into it, because you know, what we're talking about is in terms of the podcast, I mean, it's just creating content, you know, it's creating content and, you know, there's a journalism aspect to it. There's, there's a creative aspect to it. There's the, you know, just creating something. And what I've found, like listening to podcasts for years now, I mean, I've been listening probably since 2010, you know, since Apple yeah. Podcasts came out with, you know, like podcasts, you know, like it was one of the things I did. Uh, and yeah. I learned so much from a business point of view, from people like Pat Flynn, Jamie Masters, uh, Mike okay. Dillard, you know, and... I found each one of them had their own style, you know, like, like, um, Jamie Masters, um, I think it was the Evangel Millennia podcast and she would always be very giggly as an example, you know, and people in the comments would say, you know, like, I can't stand this. And, but you know, every week, I mean, she was like very successful, you know, and Pat Flynn had a completely different style You know, he was like more that average guy. He's just kind of like seeing how this thing works. Um, and I think with you as well, it's the same thing. Starting a restaurant, I, w- I was like horrified. I was horrified because I'd, I'd started this restaurant and then the, 
I, I was failing. I had no idea how to run a restaurant. I had no idea what the hell it took. Or it was it was horrifying. And and um, these reviews started coming in. Like, oh, what a horrible experience. And that was the worst experience of my life. And I'm like, geez, this is a 50 year old woman saying that. Like, so um, I started getting these horrible reviews in. And 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 what I started do, I thought I thought, well, cool. I'm gonna embrace this. I'm gonna put signs up and say, review us. Like like review us more. Um, I want to know what I need to change. And and um, the the more the more I got bad reviews, the more people came. It was like it was just it was a weird conundrum thing that was going on. But um, but yeah, I think there's something for everybody. Hey, like you say, you hit the nail on the head. It's it's not like um, everybody's gonna like gonna like me uh, mm. and what I have to say. And the 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 problem with that is I, I like I take things I do take things personally, and and I'm I'm concerned because like. This, so I'm not wearing a tie. I normally wear a tie. Uh, <laughs> I don't wear uh, one. I, I just, I started doing that because this guy, he commented on one of my videos. I was sort of like slouching in one of the videos. And, and he said, he said, you're slouching. It doesn't look professional. Mm-hmm. Like basically told me to grow up. And I was like, oh shit, okay, I'm going to do better. And I started wearing a, <laughs> wearing a tie. You know, but, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh- <sighs> Yeah, but I mean, you can't please everyone, eh? And uh, I mean, like, you know, that comes, I mean, when I think of, I mean, even when I worked in corporate, I mean, there was only one job I had ever where they told us we had to wear a tie and that only lasted like six months. I think the MD had some crazy idea that, you know, probably wearing a tie was, you know, it. I, and I think we would if it was, you know, if the meeting merited it. I mean, like if you're meeting yeah. a high profile client, I mean, you pitch up there with a suit. I mean, that's just the mm. way it is. But like in your normal yeah. management meetings and you know, if you're meeting your normal clients, I mean, I, I think it's a very, I mean, there's definitely a sense to you have to dress up for the occasion. I get it. But I think yeah. just doing it for the sake of doing it, I think it's a completely different take on it. And I find on on that aspect, you know, I find there's that, um, that level of almost um, freedom to get to choose whether you want to or not. And I think mm-hmm. that's what we earn. You know, we earn like we don't really have to if we don't want to. Um, yeah, yeah. It's my take on the on the dressing up kind of aspect. Um, yeah. Um, it must have been a nightmare for you though. Hey, if you if you're entrepreneurial minded, it must have been like being in hell. Hey? Yeah. <laughs> but but I also learned a lot. You know, like you know that okay. consistency part. Um, and actually, yeah. one of my first my first oh my my second one. I had a bursary with Anglo. So oh, yeah? um, I was quite fortunate from that perspective. And they kind of taught you how corporate works. You know, like you start from the bottom of the ladder and you kind of climb up. And that lasted until I, you know, got my degree. And then I, um, yeah, then I worked for the startup company where I learned tons. And in the typical okay. startup company, that's where I went to the US for two years. And um, I learned how you don't do it. How do you blow 30 million yeah. US dollars? in one year like how do you do that like and i learned a lot from that you know as in um, you know, don't do that and even now i mean we've had so many you know people saying you know don't you want investment funding don't you want to do this and i i refuse because i yeah. I, I refuse to be almost like you held responsible you know from someone yeah. else and i would rather you know make you know grow it slowly rather than you know being held responsible around it because i think yeah. that stunts the creativity part um but yeah, coming back to the corporate and then, yeah, so when I lunch with that stuff, actually my, my, my manager at that time, he was a CTO and he actually went into drug rehab as well. I didn't realize it until many years later, but many of the things kind of make sense. You know, he was always erratic. 
Um, yeah. It was always like bouncing over, you know, balancing up and down all the time. Um, and sometimes the decisions also wasn't the most best decisions, but we like, you know, we just, you know, at the bottom of the rung. So we basically just listen to it. We pull the all-nighters and we do stupid things. But yeah, um, yeah lots of those things kind of made sense. But when mm -hmm. I went into consulting, I realized for the first time that actually, yeah, I don't really want to do a full-time job. I mean, I think that's... Yeah. And uh, once I made up that, my mind on that, and it was, you know, what we were speaking about, I think just before the show as well, it's that consistency of even this, like the podcast. Mm -hmm. How do you get that mm -hmm. consistency? And if you yeah. can get that, then that's amazing. And I struggled with that for a long time. Yeah. And I had like crazy ideas. I don't, I, I don't think I've ever told you, but it's in one of the shows I said, I mean, yeah. um, I actually started a nightclub as well. So like, you know, for me, yeah, yeah, for me, I mean, like that's completely off kilter, right? That That's not, but I just looked at it and it kind of came up and I thought, uh, you know, like that's a cool opportunity. It wasn't too much money as well. Um, but I remember one of the promoters, he told us, you know, you talk about ugly reviews and one of the promoters, yeah. he told me, you know, I don't know what you corporate boys, like, or guys, maybe, um, because it was myself and my cousin started this thing up. You know, what you guys are doing in this type of industry. And he was completely right. I mean, we, we shouldn't have been in that type of industry because it was such a such a difficult all, and all different deviation. industry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay. But we just looked at the spreadsheet and we said, you know, 200 people come in per night, you know, 300 people, and they spend 500 bucks because we were thinking, how much do we spend when we go out drinking? And, uh, you know, we should make like tons of money. And uh, sure. obviously, the reality doesn't quite work out that way. Yeah, it's, no, it never does, I suppose. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> but that was my yeah. first and the last time I said I would touch the service type industry. Um, Is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because someone else told, told me, and I think this might be one my wife as well, told me I should keep to my strengths. So I was like, okay, what am I good at? <laughs> you know, I'm good at yeah. creating software. I'm good at creating things. You know, like, let me just keep to that. Um, yeah. And that was good. I mean, that's, you know, like I noticed with, with my wife as well, she's, I'm, I'm very disorderly, right? So I really, I really struggle with order. Like you said something earlier, you were like, well, every Monday at six or whatever, the, the video goes out. And I was like, geez, I'm just making videos and putting them out as they, you know what I mean? So being, being, I've, I've actually just hired somebody that's going to come on and sort of help me with the consistency stuff. I think. I think that is so incredibly important. And um, you, you mentioned being, you know, working in a startup and I've, I always feel like I'm in startup mode, uh, mm -hmm. which is, which is not cool. I mean, like, like a business needs to reach a point where it, it, it's, it's populated with your, your, all your administrative folk and they, and they run it and it gets on with it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, obviously I read an article. Okay. So I read an article with uh, about um, on LinkedIn earlier, Adrian Gore, right. And this guy, like he looks the, I mean, like a like a raging CEO type of dude, right? And I'm, I don't know, I'm like a, yeah, I'm a I'm a Bob the Boulder kind of like dude. So, but he seemed to have got the Bob the Boulder and the raging CEO, in you know, in two, a two in one. Sorry, I I just got the one half of that. So, <laughs> at some point, I'm gonna have to find a CEO to take care of things. <laughs> yeah, it's a good way to put it. I, I did a lot of research on this as well. And and actually, over the last few years, I changed my mindset around it because that was my mindset. It was like, you know, I just kind of build it because that's I'm, the, I'm that type of person. You know, comes in, you know, fixes something or gets it to work. And um, in consulting, that was my niche as well. You know, like if something is broken, you know, I would be the person that comes in and, you know, I can get it stable again. 
and then mm. I'm kind of bored, so I'm going to leave. <laughs> but uh, I, I realize in our own business, you always have to be that person, though, because no one else sees it the same way that we do. You know, so you can't, I mean, I tried it a few times and every single time it failed, you know, as in, I thought I'll just get it to work a certain bit and then I'll give it to someone that can manage this thing. The problem yeah. is they don't have the skills. They don't have the, you know, the, the thinking. Yeah. They, so you almost like do have to try to be a little, a little bit about, a little bit like Adrian Gore, you know, like, even yeah. if it's like one day a week um, yeah. and figure yeah. out how you do that because yeah. um, it's important, you know, or... Yeah. You get the business to a certain level, you sell, and you maybe you move on to something else. But again, yeah. you know, for me, it's like you're almost like giving up that effort, you know, unless the money is like silly money. But, um, yeah. you know, it's like almost like giving up all of that effort um, and then moving on and starting from scratch. And I thought, no, that doesn't make sense too, you know, based on the yeah, age no, part yeah. you talked about. Yeah, no, that's got to stop, eh? No, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's your thoughts on, on taking money, on investment funding? Because, I mean, the one school of thought is that, you know, you get the money because then you'd be able to get things done a lot more faster. And what you're actually buying is you're buying time. That's the narrative. Is, are you in that mindset as well? I've, I've done it. I've taken money. I've, uh, the debt financing is, uh, you know, so as opposed to equity financing, I think. So, so I've borrowed like insane amounts of money that <laughs> mm -hmm. like like that's it's frightening in fact and and uh you know my dad once he was like he was like listen what's this is frightening <laughs> so <laughs> and I've, I've i've gone down those roads and i've and i've it's i think that i think i think if you if you're careful and 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 it's really well thought out and I think you execute, you know, perfectly and, and all the rest of it. Um, then I, I don't see a problem with it. Um, I think it's okay, but like, sort of like, uh, you, you've got to, to get to that point. I think you've got to go through a couple of failures and, and, and go through a couple of, you can't learn that from a book. You just mm. can't. Mm. Um, I have a high risk, uh, 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 high, a very big appetite for risk, right? So, so um, I will take on risk. I, you know, my brother and I, we go sit at the blackjack table many years ago, and and I'll I'll end up with a like we'll go with like five hundred bucks each, and I'll end up with a pile of chips like this, and he'll be sort of like plodding along and all the rest of it. But the difference between me and him is I'll leave with nothing, and he'll leave with a couple hundred. You know, he'll leave with mm. like six hundred bucks instead of just the five hundred he came with. You know what I mean? Okay. So. I, I get very, uh, but I've learned from that. And mm. yeah, I think, I think, you know, borrowing money is okay. Equity finance. I don't like the idea of um, uh, being held accountable to somebody else or mm. having somebody else sort of like dictate. Mm. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. I haven't gone down that road yet, uh, but I'm, let's see. Hey, I don't know what to say about that one. Hey, Oliver. Mm. I, I, I like, I like the, the, what you said about the debt financing. I'm actually okay with that as well. Um, I, but like the equity financing, I'm not that cool with. And, mm. um, and it's only because you can kind of understand how board seats work and, you know, like, and, and you look at, you know, some of these, and we're talking about bigger guys. I mean, you know, the tech founders mm. and stuff like that, you know, where you get kicked out of your own company. And I thought that was always like morally wrong for me. It's like, how do you, yeah. you know, how could you ever be in a situation of this is your baby and someone tells you, actually, you know, you're not the right person. So yeah. who would be the right person. Um, yeah. 
yeah so that's the reason but, but then again they go on to build like trillion dollar businesses you know what i mean like mm, mm. no agreed you, i mean you, you got to be able to understand that if you're gonna if you're gonna go large eh? and yeah. and uh, that's something that i have been looking at in the last uh year definitely or two years even like like 100 like i want to go large and, uh, and i want to crack it you know what i mean it's mm. You know, I'm worried that I don't have the skill set or the temperament, to, you know, to deal with, like you say, um, mm. sitting in a boardroom. I've been in, I've never, I've been in a boardroom scenario when I went through that that audit with the medical aids, and it's it's not what I'm used to. Okay, okay. like I will tell somebody <laughs> like okay. it is, right? And yeah. in a boardroom, it's like you got to be you got to be very, you know, politely tell people how to. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so I don't know. I struggle with that one. Eh? Yeah, yeah my, my wife comes to me and she, you know, she shows me this message, you know, from uh, from a client or something, and she's like, you know, but does it seem right? And I was like, um, I just look at it and I was like, yeah, it's kind of like boardroom speak, you know. It's like if normally corporate speak, but there's a certain language that you use in corporate, yes. and uh, you know, like and the other thing that corporate teaches you is normally people don't tell you what their job title is. You need to pay attention yeah. because if that job yeah. title is above your one. Yeah. And you're in trouble depending on what your response is, you know, to that thing. <laughs> and there's certain companies, you know, like um, when I worked, you know, um, with a contract at MTN, MTN is one of those companies, you know, where the titles matter. And yeah, so you have to, you know, make sure that your, you know, like your, your tone is right, your messaging is right, yeah. and all of those things, or else that's a problem. But like, if you're not used to that, I mean, that could be a problem, you know, and yeah. definitely yeah. career limiting. Yes, um, I agree. Yeah, so you learn a lot. Um, so the one thing that I do want to come back to, you said you want to do something important before 50. What mm -hmm. is that? Is that just that you want the business to be at a certain level? You don't have to tell us what the level is, but is mm -hmm. that what it means? Um, yeah. Okay. It's a state secret. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but yeah, cool. that's 100% what I want to do. I want to, I want to um, create something that's... Um, it's important and that I can be really proud of, you know, like I can be proud of what I've created now, but, you know, I think you, you like you say, Oliver, you, you're the kind of people that you kind of want to keep on sort of leveling up, you know, um, mm -hmm. and I wouldn't be comfortable with myself getting, you know, I could, I could, you know, I've got a bit of money saved up and I mean, I could, I could, I don't know, I could buy a place at, in Cape Town and fly up and down, you know, and go there on the weekend and I can chill now. You know what I mean? I can do mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Well, I, I've thought about it. So I, I, if I get to 50 and I, and I haven't done achieved something that I think is substantial, like from my point of view, then I will not like myself. I'll not be able to look in the mirror. So wow. that's how I feel about that, yeah. <laughs> that's interesting, hey? Um, this particular show, you know, the Molding Live show, I mean, uh, the, the idea around it for me always was like, there's so many like people doing amazing stuff. So, you know, I put you in that category. Um, yeah. And then I met even in corporate, you know, like, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to be an entrepreneur to do some really cool stuff. Oh, yeah. But, you know, there's cool. some people that I met even in corporate, you know, that, that really, you know, like you can see that whole value creation and you can see them like making a difference with people around them and things like that. And I thought, you know, that would be a nice way to tell those stories. Um, and when you say, you know, like you want to actually, you know, like make a significant difference, you know, the way I look at that is it's almost like 
I didn't have this as a child, you know, like, so, you know, we grew up quite poor and stuff like that. So I almost think you need to almost like build on generations, you know, you almost like there must be that generational wealth. And I don't mean wealth just from a monetary mm. point of view. It's almost like, you know, how you train your kids, you know, so that you don't chase them around with a plate, you know, to, to, to grow them, you know, and say, yeah. actually, you can be whatever you want. How can I help you to get there? You know, that's what yeah. I want. You know, and I think, you know, for our kids, you know, that's something I would like to leave them with as well. It's like give them something that almost like sets them on a platform to build on. Uh, yeah. Do you have thoughts around it? Can that? go the other way. Yeah, that can go the other way. I mean, um, you know, I've in my fam, my, my own family. So, um, I've seen. Uh, maybe I shouldn't talk about mine, <laughs> but but I mean, you know, you 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 don't want to sort of sort of being put out the door at 19 with a mattress and sort of being told to go on my way, it, you know, you, you, it's, it's, um, it's make or break. You know what I mean? Like going to rehab at 23 and quitting drinking, you know, for as long as I did, um, for, you know, I, I, I went, I, you, you, how many people do you know that, that stopped drinking at 23? You know what I mean? Like, that's mm. like, it's not that's a, you know, you only start. I, listen, it's not, yeah, you only start getting busy, sure. But, mm-hmm. but, uh, but look, I mean, I was in a position where I had to because it was so, I was such in such a dark place and, and it, I couldn't stop and I needed to. Otherwise, I was going to die. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's, that's the thing. So I don't know. It's difficult because I look at my own son and he's, he's seven, he's turning seven. And I think, am I going to put him out the door and just tell him to go and, you know, figure it out? And, and, but then there's this part of me is it's like, if, if you, if, 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 if uh, you know, I want to support him and I want to help him get as far as possible and I want to help him do all those things. But when you, when you over molly coddle somebody, it, it, it goes in the other direction. I think I've seen that so many times mm. um, where they just sort of like, they don't develop skills because they don't have to, mm. you know, mm. um, it's, a, it's a very difficult question that say, I think, mm. um, so, I realize that actually, as I'm, as yeah. I'm, as as you talk in, as I'm thinking about it, and I mean, it's not like it's the first time I'm thinking about it, but mm-hmm. there is that fine balance, you know. The first time I heard it, um, you know, stark, you know, for me it was quite stark when you know Bill Gates said, you know, you won't leave anything to his children. He said, you know, you'll give them a certain amount, and then they're on their own, kind of thing. He's a bit unreasonable. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. weird. I mean, like, why would you not give it to your kids? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's like, yeah, you know, like he's, um, you know, I don't think, you know, they would, they won't appreciate it for, some, you know, the kind of the narrative around it. And I, I get that. Yes. But I think there's a certain amount where you, you need that safety net. You need that, you know, if something does go wrong, you know, is there someone that I can kind of reach out to? Because if you don't have yeah. that from your, from your family, where do you have that from then? You have to build it up. Like you never you know, but you never know how you, how you're robbing somebody of an opportunity to become their best version of themselves, right? By mm. giving them a safety net. You know mm. what I mean? Um, I read, I read this speech at my sister's wedding and I, and I borrowed it, some of it from, what's his name? He wrote uh, Think and Grow Rich. Um, yeah. Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill. What it like, and he, he said this, it was kind of like along the lines, like I, I, I wish you hardship. I wish you, you know, having a hard time for the next couple of years and a, and a good dose of poverty because that's what builds character. Not, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Not, yeah. not just having it easy, you know? So, 
um, I remember my cousin, you know, I go to his house and his dad built him this house and you know, the corner scene was all perfect and the tiling was nine. He had this big double door glass fridge and I was like, I don't, I don't, where's my fucking, excuse me, sorry, where's my fridge? Like, like, why don't I get one? You know what I mean? And it's like, I'm, I, you know, when I got my glass fridge, my glass door fridge, which I have, it's like now, and it's, it's, it's my glass door, it's my fridge, man. It's, it's, I'm proud <laughs> yeah. of it. I worked yeah. hard for that, you know what I'm saying? So, mm. uh, you know, what, again, like I said, you, you might just be robbing somebody of the opportunity to become their best the best version of themselves if you if you just give them everything that they want so mm. but having said that i think bald gates is being unreasonable like you should like give them some like i mean come on man that's like leave them a billion or some billion. you know like <laughs> i i didn't think he said he wasn't going to leave them anything i think he said he was okay. give them like 10 million us i'm going to give them all of it okay yeah, yeah, yeah. i think that's enough to you know like that would, would be enough to be in the top one percent of the you know, the Americans in yeah. you know, like the richest Americans or whatever. So um, I don't think he was going to leave them poor, but definitely not as rich as he is. Um, yeah. Um, very, very cool, you know, content. I mean, uh, I, I love this. I love the chat with you. Um, mm. and we got some really cool things out of it. Is there anything mm. that, um, you know, around this whole, you know, like what we started talking about that you thought we should have covered that we didn't? I mean, around the topic of your story or around the topic of what you're doing right now. Um, I think the podcast, I mean, one of the reasons I said we should get together is uh, I'm going to be following it and I'm hoping that yeah. you know, we, we could, um, you know, by virtue of you being on it, you know, maybe get a few more healthcare practitioners on your show because I think yes, that will yeah. be amazing around the mental health space. And yeah. Um, yeah, I'd really like to see where you go with it as well because it's amazing. Thanks, it's amazing. I think with this, I think with this kind of thing, it, it help, it will help for us to sort of like link back to each other and network. And, you know, um, I know when you do the linking thing and, and uh, it, it helps, I mean, we want to grow the platform. So mm. I'm grateful for, for you having me on, on your show. Thanks. And um, I hope, yeah, I hope I can reciprocate and you can come on, on my show. We can do a, a talk and link and meet new cool. people and sort of grow yeah yeah yeah. i'm looking forward to that thanks ryan for your time thanks right. for everything that you do and yeah i mean like thanks for the drug rehab center as well i think it definitely cool. makes a huge difference in our lives already and i'm looking forward to see you know the, the plan over the next 10 years yeah let's hope it works out thanks cool hey everyone thanks for listening as always stay tuned and we'll speak to you in the next episode